Hi, everyone. This is Editor Danny here with the actual editor, Paul. Paul, do you want to say something? No? Come. No? Okay, whatever. I apologize for sounding so frazzled during this episode. This case actually did get to me when I was reading it. So saying that, I think it's best uh, that I do put a trigger warning for those who actually need one. So at 3304, all the way through 3723, I talk about the subjects of rape and torture. I'll put one more warning before I dive into this, but listener's discretion is advised. All right, Paul, take us back home. Welcome back to Days and Disturbed. You're currently listening to Danny de los Monstros. I'm joined today by my guest, Violet. You've heard of her. You know her. You love her. You probably looked her up and afterwards got the warm and fuzzies in your tummies. How have you been? I haven't talked to you in a bit. I've been great. It's been uh, snowing here. So there's like, there's a few inches on the ground right now, but it's it's melting and it's cool and it's fluffy. And I like to throw it at my dog. Rude. I'm calling PETA on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> no, tell she likes it. Oh, yeah. She likes being th- things being thrown at her like, yes. Hit me more. Yes, she wants like she wants to catch it, and she loves the snow. Ah, well. (laughs) Are you trapped at home? Are you snowed in? Uh, not technically, but like my car doesn't have a license plate on it right now, so I am slightly trapped at home. Did someone steal it? No, I had to give it back. There's a story here. I know for a fact, but you have to tell me about that afterwards. But okay. Um, I actually did not I did not know that you were into well, spoiler alert, everybody. We're all, we're gonna talk about something sort of we're taking it back to our old school roots with true crime that about a murder that happened in the land of the rising sun. And I actually was looking around for somebody to do this topic with me and because of the subject matter no one had the stomach for it except for violet (laughs) which was really strange i'm like i i did not know you were into this kind of stuff yeah yeah um i mean i'm the same as you super horror junkie and everything like that but um the past few years i've definitely been like a morbid media consumer Mm -hmm. and um really into true crime and all of that kind of stuff. We got to have a movie day where we just watch like the most (laughs) fucked up films out there. And I I have no one to watch them with me. I'm like, come on, somebody watch Silo with me. It's disgusting. I heard, (laughs) I heard, I heard, I know. So (laughs) yeah, that, that can be arranged for sure. Yes. All right, everybody. We're going to do it on Twitch someday. We're going to watch. No, we actually can't watch that. I, I will get oh, banned. We can't watch that on Twitch. So, so TOS. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Well, we'll find somewhere to watch it. And if you guys want a list, we'll show you the list that we're going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> but on today's topic, 
I won't be as funny, as jokey as possible because this is one of those topics like, yeah, I, I got to kind of take it seriously. Like maybe, no, there is no like, room, there's no room for maybe. <laughs> it, 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 uh, today, I just, I'll just cut into it. There is no, there's no sh- like sugarcoating this. Today, we're going to talk about a subject called Schoolgirl in Cement, where it was, that was the headlines of the newspapers of what they've written or Schoolgirl encased in cement. But we're going to talk about the murder of Junko Fut- Futu. <coughs> Happy 420, everybody. We're talking about Junko Furutu. Can you say it for me? Junko Furuta. Thank you. Junko Furuta. Yes, I'm trying. Yes, Junko, rest in peace. I'm trying. But yeah, we're going to get into it. There is going to be cases of where I talk about the actual crime that happened. So I will give you all a heads up. And if you want, skip ahead and just listen to the rest of it. But anyways, let's start. Violet, I'm going to give you the floor. Go ahead. Say what you will. All Remember right. that you're tiny. <laughs> so... um Junko Furuta was born on January 18th, 1971, and she was born in, let's see if I can pronounce this, Misato, Misato, Saitama, Japan. She had two brothers. Um, She was the middle child. Mm -hmm. She worked part-time at a plastic molding factory after high school. Uh, She was still in high school. She was in 11th grade, I believe. Um, She was a very hardworking and motivated student. She was well-liked by teachers and classmates alike. And um, it was noted that she didn't have many absences from class. Uh, She was very career motivated. She had planned for um, a job that she was going to take pretty much immediately out of high school. Um, and then she had obviously already worked. She's working part-time already on top of going to doing, school. you know, all the high school things. And, uh, she used to ride her bike home from work. I, Wait, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I when I when I was reading from my from my notes, I thought she was still in high school. Like she was an eleventh grader, and yeah. then she was working part time. Is that I might have misheard you? I thought so. She was she was working at a plastic company part time after high school. Like after um, I meant after oh, the school day. Sorry. Gotcha. No, no that's was, I was like, wait a second, my notes are wrong. Shit. But yeah, no. Uh, she she was like she was career driven she was trying her best to like yeah make a future for herself oh yeah and she didn't she didn't smoke or drink there was no drugs or anything involved she was you know a really good student and um super well liked and probably probably popular you know she she was (laughs) i i from what i'm reading a lot of people like remembered her fondly like no she was really popular she was she was really nice to everybody. I can't say that for a fact. I'm just saying from what people yeah. have have said, but yeah. yeah, she was she was definitely one of those like popular kids who you'd like to who you'd like to be friends with and more than likely she would 
be your friend being like, you know, just if you, if you give her a simple hello. Yeah. And I do want to add, um, that this case is not very, it's not documented very well Mm -hmm. in terms of like what's facts and what is fiction. Uh, like Danny said, we will be talking about, um, you know, how we heard about the case and everything, which is through um, some <laughs> media. media. So, but um, that doesn't mean that it's correct. And so we really had to dive in a little bit and kind of put a bunch of pieces together ourselves. So, yeah, we really got uh, our hands dirty for yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, some of these, some of those nights, I like I'm reading after reading the story, some of those nights I could not sleep because I was like, yeah, oh, that's I couldn't sleep. <laughs> oh, it was it's so it, it was God, it's so terrible. Like, OK, well, I guess I'll get into it and I'll, and I'll, yeah. I'll show you why it was really terrible. So. Uh, so. For those who for for what we're trying to explain, she was abducted on the night of November 25th of 1988. So Junko was leaving her work from the plastic factory after, you know, after a long day of school and after a long day of work, she said goodbye to her coworkers and then rode off into the night. And I looked up what I assumed to be the fa- the plastic factory that they were talking about in the story. It could have been closed. It could still be open. I did find a, a uh, plastic factory near the school that she worked at, which the school is called Yashio. Yashio Minami High School. She went to Yashio Minami High School and there is a plastic factory not super close. It's about a well, a 40 minute drive or a 40 minute bike ride from point A to point B. So, I'm assuming she lived in one of those areas. Like, you know, either she lived by the plastic factory or she lived by her high school. But again, it's a 40 minute drive or bike ride from each point. So, around 8 p.m., Two delinquents, or to be more bluntly, these guys are pieces of shit, were out strolling the town actually looking to cause some mayhem. And they were known in their uh, their neighborhood as people to stay away from. And it was later found out that they were trying to uh, they were trying to rob and rape women that night. And those people <sighs> yeah, I should say their names because it, it'll make the story easier. I don't want to give them any any semblance of credit for what they did, but just to make the story a little comprehensive for just for our sake, I'll say their names. So their names were Hiroshi Miyano, which keep his name in mind. And he was 17 when the crime happened, but when he was caught, it was, he was, it was around, uh, he was 18 years old and keep those, keep those ages in mind. That's this is something we're going to talk about. So the two people, the two kids again were Hiroshi Miyani, Mi, Hiroshi Miyano, and Nabu Nabuharu Minato, and he was 16 years old at the time of the crime. And a side note: Hiroshi Miyano actually went to the same high school as Junko. He even had a crush on her, but she she actually turned his advances down since he was already acting, you know. He wasn't really a kind person to begin with. He was known as the school bully. And uh, he had that title because of his, it's not his background, but his, his 
quote unquote career choice. And his career choice was that he decided that he wanted to join up with the Yakuza's. And for the people who don't know what the Yakuza's are, it's a crime syndicate or organization that existed since the Edo period of Japan, which starts all the way back from 1603. So they are a crime syndicate that are considered old school. They, and they've had ties with Japanese culture in a way of speaking. And this, I don't know how to describe it. They're, I, I'm just going to say they're a mafia just to make it maybe a little easier. And they're internationally known. Like you'll find them, you'll find the name all throughout Asia, uh, out of most of Europe. The United States has some problems with the Yakuza as well. And some of South America actually does have problems with them as well. Um, they're just as famous as the Russian mafia and the Mexican cartel. And they're, they're interesting to say the least. They won't. Okay. I can't say this because I, I'm not a part of the Yakuza and I, I, I know for a fact what they, what they're thinking is, but. This case, this, this case comes out as strange to me. Yes, they are involved in sex trafficking, drugs, money laundering, murder, the whole crime syndicate thing. It, it's hard to, to, to describe them because I'm not like a, you know, obviously I'm not a criminal. Hopefully you guys don't know. I'm, guys, I'm not a criminal. I'll just say this now. I'm not a criminal. You can't incriminate me. Bam. No one can judge me now. They have they basically have fingers in everybody's pie. And I'm gonna talk about that later. That's that's why I'm trying to describe the Yakuza. They're really powerful, is what I'm trying to say. So okay, let's get back to it. Again, around 8 p.m., Mian the uh, Miano and Minato were strolling the neighborhood when they actually spot Junko riding her bike at night. So Miano actually tells Minato, Hey, I need you to run over and kick her off the bike and just run away. And Minato being a little bitch actually obeys and carries out the the order and he flees at just as fast so acting like some sort of knight in shining armor miano actually comes over and helps junko up and pretends like he was just he just witnessed the whole thing he then makes an offer to walk her all the way to her house to make sure that nothing like that ever happens again and knowing that he's some sort of tough guy uh, junko actually agreed so she I don't know if it was out of shock or, but, but she, he was known as a guy not to be trusted with, but I guess she got so, just so scuffed up. She was like, you know what? That, this is probably a great idea. And what Miano, Miano decided to start doing was taking her. He said like, Hey, let me take you through these, these routes to your house. I know I have an idea of where you live. Obviously he knows where she lives. I have an idea where you, I know uh, where you live. Let me take you through some shortcuts away from the main street. So nothing like this happens again, since you were just attacked on the main streets. So soon after they started talking about everything and maybe it was to keep her distracted from where they were going. And this is where the, the conversation led to Miana revealing that he was, he had ties in the Yakuza. And when this was revealed, she unknowingly made her way to some sort of warehouse exactly where Miana wanted her to be. So he then beat her up, took her into the rape to, to the yeah the the, the the warehouse and raped her. <sighs> so that's where the that's where the first of her problems started. 
He then dragged her to a nearby hotel and then decided to threaten her and if she, to, if she didn't comply. And in the hotel, he raped her once again. And then using the, 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 the phone inside of the hotel, he called up Minato and two of his other friends who later became the two other culprits in the crime. And their names were Yash, Yasushi Watanabe and Joe Oro Ogura. And these two were uh, 17 at the time as well. So the four of them, including Junko, met up at a park around 3 a.m. where Miano started bragging about what he just did to, to Junko with her standing there. And Aruga was like, you know, getting all hyped up from, from the idea of, of like what he just did. And he was like, hey, he brought the idea. Why don't we keep her captive so they could all do like heinous things to her? And the idea was brought up because they recently did something similar to another girl much earlier that month. But unlike Junko, they gang raped her and eventually let her go after like a, a few days. So thinking they can get away with it, they were like, you, let's just let's let's do it again. Let's let's see what happens. And so the culprits pretty much agreed on the spot and they made the plan of what they were going to do. So the four of them pretty much like searched Junko at that moment. And they were, they, they, since she just came back from school, they had her backpack. And unfortunately in her backpack, they found a binder or a notebook that actually had her address. So Miyano. Yeah, this is, this is where it's, it's, it's kind of messed up since he was a part of the Yakuza. He was like, he threatened to, to call up his Yakuza buddies to go to her house and murder her entire family. If she didn't comply with what they were going to do. So Junko didn't say a word and the end, they ended up uh, strong arming her all the way into where was it? Uh, a house. Yeah. A house in uh, uh, the Adachi district where it, the, the house actually belonged to Minato's parents. And yes. Yeah, so I actually had to look up the distance of how far they had to walk from said park because I'm assuming they were they were by this by a warehouse by the plastic factory. I looked it up. They had to drag her kicking and not screaming, but like kicking and trying to fight her way through it. They had to drag her from. Where I was looking was Yasho. I was looking from the high school and on foot, they had to walk 45 minutes. So she had to fight. Tooth and nail for 45 minutes all the way from her high school kind of Ishin district to the Adachi district, where when they finally got to uh, Minato's house, or yeah, Minato's house, they ended up gang raping her. Okay, that was night one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it it doesn't get any better. Yeah, it 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 doesn't get any better from here. So we're going to go cut to a quick commercial break or in, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break just because uh, this part gets kind of hard for a lot of people. And this is the part I was, I'm, I'm trying to say. So give us a moment. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we're about to dive into the crimes part of what happened in the time that, that Junko was actually held captive. Like I've probably said already, 
if you don't have the stomach for this, that's totally fine. No judgment. I've already probably put up a, um, a timestamp when to um, skip ahead to. All right, so here we go. She was held captive for 44 days. So this was between when she was captured in November all the way up to, I think it was January. January, where was it? Let me see. I have in my notes. I'm professional. I swear. I swear. I'll probably find it later. She was kept held for 44 days and she was forced to pose as Miano's girlfriend. The, the guy that, that had a crush on her and the ringleader of this little uh, gang. And she was held. She was told to keep silent or else they would carry out their threat. And again, the heartbreaking part was because people saw her in public as well and didn't think anything of her when she was, when in truth, she was being abused. And after, and before you ask, Minato's parents were actually aware of what was going on upstairs in the second floor of their house. And they state that the reason they didn't actually intervene is because they knew Miyano's connection with the Yakuza and they feared some sort of retaliation from the organization if they didn't, if they lost Miyano to the police. And not only that, Minato was also becoming increasingly more and more violent towards uh, his parents, which the, at that point, I'm pretty sure the parents realized they were psychos. And they pretty much they let him get away with what they were doing upstairs. And they heard they heard what was going on. They just didn't intervene at all. And I have a question for you, Violet. Yeah. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> um, they they had they didn't intervene, but yet they still could have done something. Do you think their parents are still do you think Minato's parents are still to blame for Junko's death? Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, if you don't take a side, then automatically you side with the oppressor. And even though the parents weren't home a lot of the time, um, just knowing that your own son is, you know, doing unspeakable things to this poor girl. Um, I don't think that they should have gotten off the hook either. And I, they didn't, but um, I mean, I know that nobody could have predicted the horrors that were to come, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't have been able to get to that point and the things that happened and the way that she was treated in my head, it would be so easy to like, let her go, you know, like help her escape, give her some food, some medicine, something and formulate a plan because this did go on for 44 days and in that time she did not have anybody that was trying to help her and Mm -hmm. that's horrible because you know it's somebody's parents and you think of a mother and seeing another young child that is your own child's age 
suffering it must she the mother must have been so terrified of the yakuza um retaliation yeah but still i i don't think that that's enough to get her to let her go like scot-free yeah i don't think it's enough to let something exonerate her from like the crimes and stuff yeah i'm let me i'm okay i i I don't know if I should do this, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. They're, they were fearing retaliation from the Yakuza. Yeah. Does, does that, does that still warrant you not doing anything or because again, the Yakuza is a giant crime organization. And if they want to make you disappear, they can easily do that. So it's yeah, a matter of fearing for their like, lives. Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't they be worried about their son disappearing just in general? I mean, if they're so, Thank big you. and scary then yep. like what's how is it how are they so sure that he's the one that's you know oh gonna be okay in this situation like you know if he's 17 and doing these acts in the name of the yakuza and you know maybe they probably don't want to be in the spotlight very much so Wait, so he he wasn't a part. So Minato wasn't a part of the Yakuza. Miyano was a part of the Yakuza, but he so Minato was doing it for shits and giggles. He was having fun doing it. Oh, man, he's a he was he's a psycho. That 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 fucking idiot's a psycho. (sighs) (laughs) And another thing to note is that the Minato actually had a, a, a brother, too. His. Yeah. His thing was he just didn't do anything because he didn't care. He didn't yeah. do anything to prevent the situation. So all these reasons are why the gang made this Minato's house their hideout. And that information comes out way later in the um, in the police reports of like Which this place was crazy. <laughs> this place is a it was like it was a suburban area. Yeah, they were just, you know, it was so the house was set up. So um, two stories, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And both of the boys, Minato and the brother, um, his brother, they lived upstairs. And I'm assuming maybe the parents lived downstairs. Um, The parents were also absent a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was literally like the upstairs of somebody's house. And this poor girl was being held captive in such a suburban area and you have to wonder i haven't um the pictures i saw of the house were super you know close up and blurry so i couldn't see you know how far away the other houses were where the balcony was facing etc but um it leads me to believe that uh junko was compliant until the end um and that's not saying that it's her fault yeah you are actually taught i've taken um some rape aggressor courses just because i'm a a small woman and (laughs) you know um need to make sure that i can take take care of myself uh even if there's you know not nothing weapons around me or anything um 
And they tell you that it is okay to comply if you feel like your life is in danger and there's nothing wrong with complying. It doesn't make it any less of a crime. Uh, So I like to believe that she remained hopeful until she was so emaciated and abused that she probably, she had suffered so much trauma Mm -hmm. um, in both the psychological and the physical sense that uh, um, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but she was actually lit on fire. Wait, I'm going to, I'm going to get to that part. Hang on, (laughs) on, I'm going to get to that part. But I just wanted to say that um, she couldn't even really brush it off of her. Yeah. She did, so her, um, it's just crazy because she lived, she was, you know, being Held tortured captive. in this suburban area in the upstairs of somebody's living House. quarters. Yeah. I, I yeah. looked it, I looked it up. And just to answer your question, um, the houses in that suburban area are kind of tight knit. They have like some room for like a little bit of a yard, but like from, from mm. what I looked up on like Google earth and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I tried looking for the house, but I, I don't, I was like, maybe I shouldn't dig that deep. Cause I don't want to know like the ins and outs of all of this, of this whole crime. Cause it, it did make me sick to look at it. So I didn't want to be like, yeah, if I ever, if I ever go to Japan and I go see that house, I'm like, that is where it happened. And I, I, I would feel a sense of like dread. So oh, yeah. But I looked in that like uh, the the Adashi uh, district, and I just looked at any like uh, suburban house, the, the suburban houses that were living there or that were, that are there right now. Uh, the houses are kind of tight knit, so if there was screaming involved mm-hmm. and something like that, maybe the neighbors would have heard. But maybe they're just like, I don't know anything about it. So yeah, it's it's kind of like you really don't know who your neighbors are until like a police uh, like a, the SWAT shows up to your neighbor's <laughs> yeah. house and like arrest them for like having an, an alligator taking care of your cocaine. That's exactly. actually, that's, that's actually a real story too, but that's for another day. Well, and then we have the story that's close to me. Um, oh, I forget his name, but the man that murdered his wife and two little girls. Um, that's like every in, freaking suburban dad story. <laughs> true, which is crazy. And then, you know, they don't post the mugshot. They post the like family pictures and I'm like, bro, why would you do that? <laughs> it's cause he's white. But anyways, that's like completely off topic, but, um, yeah, <laughs> it was caught on the neighbor's, uh, security camera. It was, uh, it like he was caught loading the mother's body into his truck. Obviously you could tell that it was a body, but that's one of the reasons why they found out that it was him that had done the crime. Um, like through a ring, like a, through the ring app that they, they saw it. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Hang on. I gotta, let me try to see if I can find the case. Um, I think that maybe there was the Netflix specials about it. Um, but it's here in Colorado and it happened, I want to say in 2013, but I could be completely wrong. Jesus. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, go back to, uh, ah, Junko ah. Oh, you found it. You found it. You found it. Chris Watts. Chris Watts. Oh, that's murdered. Shannon Watts. And Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. American murder. The family next door. It was on that. It's on Netflix. Um, yeah, yeah. But so like, after this, after this episode, go on Netflix really and check out the American murder. Neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the scary part about this story too. Like everything that was going on. And, um, 
we could talk about it for age for for decades about like your neighbors because i think my neighbors are kind of not my next door neighbors but i think my front door neighbor is kind of creepy <laughs> uh, but i can go on that another day but back to this real quick okay so <sighs> okay <sighs> gotta shake it off shake it off here's the serious stuff again <laughs> yeah and this is the part that's like the, the, the most heartbreaking that not only did like the parents of Minato fail her, but like the, the the justice system failed her as well. So when her parents filed a police report, the boys caught wind of this and they forced her to call her parents and tell her that she had run away and was staying with a friend. Her parents tried to ask questions, but she immediately hung up. So thinking her, her daughter was okay. And, you know, they can't do much about it. They kind of like they were kind of like, OK, her parents pretty much called off the police search and she was just labeled as another runaway. So that was closing that closed her case at that point. And yeah, that's that's something that's that, that was that's the heartbreaking part. Like they they didn't do much. They didn't do anything to. To, to go investigate further, like it's just like. They, 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 she hung up immediately. So like, they were like, ah, whatever. It's, it's probably just another runaway. We got more better things to do. So here's the crime part. All right, everyone. This is when I start getting into the heavy stuff. So if you need to skip ahead, here's your last chance. Three, two, one, ah, uh, one and a half. Okay, here we go. She was starved and malnourished. The only sustenance that she had was that she was fed cockroaches, urine, small scraps of food. And at the end of her pretty much her life. She was pretty much only fed milk. She was beaten up countless times with bamboo sticks, iron rods, and golf clubs. She was forced to strip in front of others and masturbate. She was raped more than 500 times, and not only by the four boys, but by the friends of the boys as well. She had foreign objects inserted into her vagina and anus, including bottles, a still-lit light bulb, a cigarette, scissors and skewers of grilled chicken why i i i don't know um she was burned with cigarette lighters and fireworks were set off in her ears mouth and vagina she had her hands tied to the ceiling and her body was used as a punching bag and she was punched until her internal organs made her spit up blood a flammable liquid was poured onto her feet legs and then lit on fire where she would have to put it out herself. And this turn from November turned into December. So she was actually forced to sleep in a freezer or outside in the, in the, in the cold where it was, it started to snow in Japan at the time too. Um, hot wax was dripped onto her face from a, um, from a candle. Her eyelids were burned by cigarette lighters her left nipple was, her, no, her, pretty much her entire genitalia was pierced. And then her left nipple was pried off with pliers, destroying any, any nerve endings there. Um, she was stabbed multiple times with sewing needles into her chest. And her, yeah, pretty much her body was mutilated beyond recognition. All right. And then in the 44 days of her torture, this is what damage was ha happened to her body. So her nose was filled with so much blood that she had to only breathe through her mouth. Uh, she vomited when she was trying to drink water because her stomach just couldn't accept it because it was just so battered. 
uh, she was unable to urinate properly. The injuries were so severe that it took over an hour for her to crawl downstairs and use the bathroom. And at the time when she was trying to crawl to the bathroom, she lost her bladder and her bowels. Her eardrums were severely destroyed. She had heavy bleeding from her vagina due to the scissors insertion. Okay, we're almost done. We're almost done, everybody. A few more. Her head was beaten so bad that her brain actually shrunk down two sizes from that of a normal 17-year-old teenager's head. And yeah, again, she was 17 when she endured this. She was unable to move from the ground, and she pretty much had to crawl everywhere she went. She had drastically altered appearance, and and at the time of her autopsy, she was... Her facial features were so severely damaged. She was hard. It was hard to recognize that it was a human at all. Her body was so, and her body was crippled and distorted in such dis, disturbing ways that it, uh, it was hard to recognize that this was a human in general. And she, at, she was described to have a rotting smell at like day 30, day 30. This is also to note that in the entire 44 days, she begged them just to kill her multiple times. And she pleaded with them just to let her die when she was hit in the head. And she was, uh, she was going unconscious. Like she, she just begged, like, just please just let me die. Don't keep me alive. All right. We're done with the, the torture, the mutilation and everything. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this. And this is the, the 44th day. So on the last day, which was January 4th, 1989, during the last few hours of her life, she was challenged to a game of Mahjong. And she won the game against Miano, who got angry. He then took out all of his frustration on her by inviting the four boys to beat her up they held her down and they dropped iron barbells onto her stomach multiple times. And they put a candle flame to her face and eyes. They poured hot liquid onto her legs and arms and face and stomach and then lit it on fire. She was then kicked. She was then kicked and hit on her head. Oh, she was then kicked. And then she hit her head on a stereo, which made her begin convulsing where she then could succumb to her wounds. This torture lasted about two hours. Yeah, that... Violet, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you, need me to, you need to take a break? No, no, it's okay. Um, okay. I do want to add that the boils on her body were so severe that oh, yeah. the boys ended up putting like plastic bags over their hands in order to touch her. Um, and also since she had become such, uh, you know, a mangled body, they did not want to rape her anymore and instead went and found another victim whom they raped and i believe she was 19 and that mm-hmm. is important yes that is important for later game yeah Ugh. and i guess i'll say it since you pretty much pretty much brought it up 
the the boils that she had are completely pus filled. So the reason that yeah. they put on the plastic the plastic bags on their hand is to like scoop up the pus and like just smear it on her. Oh God, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> they just didn't want it to get on the floor. They were more worried about the floor than this person, this human being, this this life. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. No. We're going to power through it. We're almost done with this part. And then we're going to get to the part that everyone wants to hear about. So after Junko died, the four boys panicked that they just murdered somebody. And then they were afraid that the, that they would get caught uh, for, you know, for a murder. So what they did is that they wrapped her in blankets and they put her in a, in a, uh, they put her in a large duffel bag. They took her out to the middle of somewhere. I, I couldn't, I couldn't find where they took her. They put her in a 55 gallon drum, which is those like, um, you know, where they fill up oil and gasoline and stuff like that. You, you, you've probably seen it in movies, the giant oil drums, basically they filled it with cement, hence the name schoolgirl and cement. And then they, they left it in a cement truck and in the middle of Koto, Tokyo. So it's heartbreaking to know that there were multiple times that she could have gotten out of the situation. And in one instance that she could have escaped these pieces of shit, she actually tried crawling downstairs when no one, when she thought no one was home and she got a phone, but before, um, before the phone call could even go through, um, Miano found her, took the phone and beat her with the phone and then dragged her back upstairs and then had his way with her. And Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That was the only time that um, I think either of us have found of her uh, attempting to escape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, and it was, uh, I, I was going to say it was worth a shot, but that's kind of, that's, that's not, I'm trying to not make light of it. Honestly, you, you know, I'm trying not to make, to make light of it, but just, I, hearing that she tried to make an, an attempt, like kind of filled me with a little bit of hope, but I knew the ending of the story. So it just, it's kind of one of those endings that you wish would, would have changed the fate by knowing it or, you know, whatever. Then there was, this was what led to the downfall of these kids. So there was a time when one of their friends, one of the friends of the boys who was bullied or pressured into raping her actually felt guilty. The name was, uh, I think his name was, uh, Kiyoshi, Kiyoshi, and he was—he felt horrible that he confided in his brother what he just did, and the brother told the parents what happened, and then the parents called the cops and told told them like, "Hey, there's some there's a girl held in Minato's place. You need to go there right now, and because she's being held captive." So this is again where the justice system failed. Junko. Um, the police got to Minato's house and Minato's parents opened the door. And Minato's, the police were saying like they were going to investigate the house, and Minato's parents actually were saying, like, yeah, no, come on in. Like there are there is no girl that lives here, but you're more than welcome to check. The police used that as a confirmation that there is nobody in the house. They said, why would they be so confident in letting us in if there was if they had something to hide? So they ended up just leaving. They never checked the house at all. And I have a my question to you, Violet. Mm-hmm. 
do you think that the parents were using that, like that invite to the cops to invite them into the house to like find Junko, like as an indirect way to help her escape? It definitely could have been, but it would have been too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I took it as that, though. I took it yeah. as, as a way to like indirectly help Junko out without like alerting the Yakuza being like, oh, they just happened to find her. Like we didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a more pleasant thought than thinking that they still, you know. We're just trying to be like act confident so nothing, nothing bad's happening. Yeah. I, I'm not rooting for the parents. I was just, I'm just stating, like, I try to have some sort of like light in the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a positive person, sort of. I could be pessimistic, but I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic a lot. Reading that, I kind of took it as that way. Yeah, that's a really nice way to take it, though, because I'm a pessimist, so I, <laughs> I didn't even think of that possibility until you just brought it up. Yeah, but it is nice to think of it that way. All right. And we're going to we're going to get to the finally to the part that everyone wants to hear. This is the police report and the arrests that happened to um, to the to the kids. So on January 23rd of 1989, Miyano and Agura were arrested for the rape of this girl. Uh, I think Violet talked about it in a bit ago. I think. Yeah. Um. So she was 19. Um, they had uh, like raped and captured her. Yeah, they had kidnapped her um, while Junko was still alive. But mm-hmm. after they had done so much to her that she was not um, they didn't want to rape her anymore. Like she was uh, covered in boils and, you know, what we talked oh. about. Um, she was putrefying. She was putrefying. Yeah, so they didn't want to Touch her. rape her anymore, but they still wanted to rape somebody. So they kidnapped this girl, and um, they—I think either they let her go or she escaped. But um, in my notes, I think they let her go. But that was their uh, yeah. downfall. That's yeah. she was the reason that she finally, after realizing what happened, and she was able to calm down she actually reported this to the police and then she told them like hey these these dumbasses are the ones who kidnapped me go go get them tigers and away the bulls went they got these guys so um yeah after after the police was caught the called they caught the guys they put them in the the precinct they went to their houses and actually found glaring evidence that they had uh they found women's underwear. So it wasn't just her underwear or Junko's underwear. It was multiple people's underwear. So they've been doing this for a while. And <clears throat> during the investigation that Miano, uh, during the investigation, Miano thought that the officers were alluding to the, that they knew about Junko. And they thought, and he thought that Ogura, his buddy, ratted out, ratted out on him and everybody else. So he said, you know what? Instead of getting in trouble, instead of me taking the rap for all of it, I'm just going to tell, hopefully if I say whatever I say, it's going to give me a lighter sentence to whatever they're going to give me. Uh, so the police didn't understand what they were talking about. They were, they were <laughs> alluding to another murder, another, not a murder. Yes. Another kidnapping that happened three days after or before, before or after 
I'm a professional, guys. I swear to God, I can do this for days. But today I can't. I'm having fun. Uh, it was before. Yeah, she alluded to something that that they alluded to. That was the kidnapping that I was just talking about. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, the 19 year old was something different. There was a oh. mother and a son that were kidnapped. What? Three days a mother prior. and a son? Yeah. So the cops <laughs> thought it was these two who did it. When in truth, they were like, the cops were like, okay, wait a second. None of what you're saying correlates with this, this case, but you're talking about something completely different. What are you talking about? So Miano actually spilled the beans about everything they did. And he also told them the location of where they buried uh, Junko. And uh, yeah, it didn't take long for them to go to the same place, find her, find the cement truck that she was in, which the cement truck was still parked there. I'm yeah. thinking it was a, a, uh, a Yakuza burial, like a burial site. It might've been owned by a, like a Yakuza member. Mm -hmm. And yes, a lot of this goes back to the Yakuza. I don't know how much cause they, the reports don't go into that. Yeah. And plus, it was so hard to find yeah. anything on this, honestly. And then to find something that was easily translatable. And then also like, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of information about it. And the only reason they identify that this person was Junko is everything when they uncovered her they said they the this is a quote from uh, i think the police chief she was unrecognizable she did not look human she was con a contorted mess like all they could understand that this person was was a human by like you know five fingers five toes and maybe a face maybe that's a face maybe that's the like the stomach they weren't sure they found the fingerprints and they're like, yeah, this, this is matches with Junko. So this Miano and Orgura and these other four idiots, these guys did it. These guys 100% did it. So now all four boys were arrested, including the brother of um, Minato, who again, he, he didn't do anything, but he just stood idly there. The parents didn't get prosecuted. It was just the brother and the four boys and including the two other boys who um, that one boy who admitted to his brother and his brother told his parents, yeah, that guy got arrested as well. They all got, they all got, uh, let's get to the prosecution, shall we? <laughs> okay. So this is the part that kind of pissed me off. So yeah. the boys did not contest to murder. But they re the lawyers told them to rephrase the word murder as committing bodily injury, which resulted in death so they can get a lighter sentence. And Violet, do you know what actually happened? <laughs> yeah. <so>. What happened? <laughs> they so um, first of all, they were tried as juveniles originally, um, but the judge was not having that. And instead of getting a lighter sentence. Wait, no, um, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. They did get lighter sentences. They all got lighter sentences because they were tried as minors. No. Um, Miano had gotten 20 years as his original sentence. Yes. Which is the second highest before life imprisonment. Yes. Yes. He was 18. Um, and well, then he was, that's he was, why they paid so much money. Uh, Miano's mother did, but um, yeah, he. But yeah, it wasn't um, long. It, in the long run, it wasn't 
much so, time at all. I want yeah. to believe it was. Let me. I know that I. <laughs> We're good at math, everybody. <laughs> no, but I swear that I wrote it down. Oh, yeah. Um, three out of the four, they served less than eight years yeah. for the Heinous brutal crime. Yeah. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah. The reason they say that that everyone pretty much got off on early, on like easy sentences was one. Yes, they were juveniles at the time. I think the oldest one out of the th- out of the four of them was Miano, but he was 17 mm-hmm. when the crime happened. He was 18 when they were ca- when when um, the cops captured him. So they, they the judge he didn't. OK, I have things to say about the judge, too. We'll get to that in just a sec. But Miano got the highest sentence, but they think a lot of people speculate the reason he got the light sentence is because that he was involved in the Yakuza. And again, going back to the Yakuza thing that I've said earlier was that the Yakuza have their fingers in everybody's pie. So mm-hmm. the judge might have been in on it and been acting and being like, oh, this is a heinous crime. But I'm also getting paid by the Yakuza to give this guy a light sentence so the Yakuza don't look bad. Because in Japan, that's the hard thing. In Japan, there's, depending on who you talk to, some see the Yakuza as thugs. Some see them as they are a crime syndicate after all. But then others see them as respectable human beings because of the the good things they've done for Japan as well. Remember, they have existed since the 1200s, since the Edo period of Japan. And they've done a lot of things to aid Japan's economy, their infrastructure, the that's why it's it's hard for me to say that the that the judge was actually like upset about it. He he did publicly say like, yeah, no, this was this was this sucks. But then why didn't he just try them? He's like, oh yeah, this is horrible. This happened, yada yada yada. But then why didn't the guy just try them as as adults? Even though they were minors, like why didn't he just try them as adults? Because I think this is more of a, where you live, Violet. Mm-hmm. If a if a child commits a heinous crime, could the the crime be considered a a like a f- yeah like a, a tried as an adult? Could a child be tried as an adult over where you live? Yes. So it is a it might just be a United States thing. I I don't know the laws in in Japan. I'm not from Japan. Surprise, surprise. I can't even speak a lick of Japanese. That would be really cool to speak, though. That would be really awesome to speak. Oh yeah. But yes, that's what I have to say about the judge. Back to it. Minato was only sentenced to four to six years in juvenile hall and then an additional five to nine years after his previous census was up. And he was the youngest out of all of them. But again, he was treated as, the, as like a minor because he was 16 at the time. So they couldn't do anything to... Ex- Pro, uh, extend the, the sentence because they're like, yeah, he's nowhere near 18. He's 17. So what, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? Let's see. Uh, Watanabe got three to four years, but then upgraded to five to seven years since he was. He said a lot of incriminating things when mm-hmm. he was in prison. So when he asked for parole, the I think it was a new judge who was tr- who was trying him for his parole. He was like, fuck, no. You admitted to the crime and you boast yeah. about the crime. Why the fuck would I let a monster out like you? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're in juvie. 
but you're a cocksucker too. So get back in the hole. <laughs> that's not, that's not quoted from. No, no, it's not, but I wish it was. But it, unfortunately. It is what it is. All four are free members of society. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Let me get through all of, let me get through all of this. And then I'm just going <laughs> to hand you the mic and then you're just going to rip into them. All right. Okay. I wanted your innocent little voice to, to speak up on this because I want you to just fucking go and what? hammer those. Yeah, hammer their asses down in a in a really <laughs> negative way. Okay. So Aruga was sentenced. Aruga was sentenced to eight years in prison and got out in 1999, and then he went back to jail in 2004 for assaulting a guy he thought he was girlfriend was fooling around with, which he wasn't. And then the entire time, oh yeah, Aruga was the same the same way too. Aruga, I thought his name was Arugula. I need my glasses. Agura, Agura, shithead, was sentenced back to jail because he threatened to kill this guy, and he actually beat the shit out of him really, really badly, putting a knife to his neck and saying that he would that he got away with murder one time, he can get away with it again. So if that doesn't say something, yeah, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't give him any good feelings with the law. So yeah, everyone has served a light sentence. The punish, the, the punishment was horrible. <laughs> the things they did was even more horrible, but the punishment just, just wasn't enough. And people were outraged. So, and fun fact. This case was not public. They just knew the pub, the, the headlines were just read that minors committed a heinous crime. But the people of Japan didn't know who it was. And the reason for that is because the court, the same judge who sentenced the, the four boys, were saying that, oh, it would ruin their lives when they grew up. The, a news article, uh, not a news article, a what is it called? A paper? A certain news, ah, God damn it! What is it? The word for it? Newspaper. A certain newspaper, news like People's Magazine. What is it called? Whatever. A news. A magazine. News, <laughs> fuck it. A certain, a certain news, a certain newspaper said that that's fucked up. No, these purple, these people deserve to have their lives ruined. So they did some investigating. And they finally found the names of the people. And then they just posted their names, yeah. where they lived, what's their phone numbers. Yeah, they fucking doxed these guys. Doxed them. Honestly, I'm here for it. Like, if you're going to do crimes, be prepared for to do the time. To fucking show up and just beat the shit out of you or something. I don't know. They couldn't get the shit kicked out of them just because they were in jail. But you got, imagine that you're the parent of Junko. And the court system is protecting these boys. You'd probably feel like shit. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, before I go on, what, what do you think about what I've said so far? There it is. There, there it is. Here comes Violet, Violet, <laughs> Violet, Violet, Vi shit, Violet. Fuck. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so we're going to start off with Ogura. Okay. Okay, so not only did this man only serve eight years in a juvenile prison, 
Um, but he boasted about it. He, Mm -hmm. you know, bragged about it. He then, you know, like shoves this dude into his truck and like beats him with a crowbar. Yeah. For four hours because he thought that like it, he was jealous. Okay. So like that happens, but then not only is Ogura a bad apple, his mom, his mother vandalized Junko's grave. Oh, I forgot about that. She had ruined her son's life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then Agura had, um, I don't know, gone on a bit of a spending spree with his father's money that was supposed to be provided as restitution to Junko's family. So what, how do you feel about that? Um, that's, I think that, you know, <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever read because not only do you have this pretty much this whole family who is so irresponsible that they've resulted in the loss of a wonderful and very young life, but they're so ignorant to what they are doing that like Ogura's mother wants to blame Junko, the dead girl over her own son who had his hand in murdering her. So it's just very, it's something that like not as dramatic, obviously, hopefully, but um, like you can really find those juxtapositions in life, I would say. Probably not so much now that we are older, but um, like, you know, your friend's mom's like not liking you or like saying you're a bad influence or blah, 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 like stuff like that. And like blaming everybody but their child when it was like their child was the problem. I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. If this was your kid, let's just live in a hypothetical world. (sighs) If this was your kid and I, I hope that I hope that never happens to you. I hope. I, I would never wish that upon you for a child to be your, for you would, to have to I birth would, a child. Okay, so I would test, I know where this is going. Yeah, how I would, would you test, feel if this was, like, this was your kid? Like, he so, was a murderer. First of all, have you ever watched We Need to Talk about Kevin? Uh, um, it's a movie um, that has Ezra Miller as yeah. star. Yeah, so it's, it's on my watch list. With, yeah, it, okay. It's about it's kind. It's like the same kind of deal. Um, so if my child had committed this horrible crime, I would want to do everything in my power to somehow like be involved with the family, be involved with like you know, the restitution and everything I would, um, well, like I would be reaching out to Junko's family, trying to offer, you know, everything I could have, you know, because I would feel so bad, especially because I like, I don't know, like I'm assuming that I wouldn't know that my kid was in a gang of people that are like, you know, 
rapists, murderers, yeah. killers. Um, so I'm just assuming that I don't know what what's going on at all. Um, but if like something bad happened and I somehow, you know, didn't see it coming, which can happen, like you yeah. don't have to <laughs> blame it on the parents all the time. Just another shout out to we need to talk about Kevin. It goes through that a lot. It's like it's through the mother's perspective. Um, and I also just watched a TED talk about some of the mothers from uh, the Columbine shooters. But whoa. Um, what? Yeah. That's a thing? Yeah. I gotta yeah, you see that. Watch it. Um, it's from a long time ago, too. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, wrong tragedy, unfortunately. But um, just I would reach out to the family as much as possible. And it would suck really bad, you know. But I would want my son to have justice served to him. So you would not protect your son. You would let this guy rot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I feel the same way. Like, no, if, if I had a kid, I hope, I hope I never have a kid, but if I have a kid, oh God, if I actually have a kid in the future and he listens to this show and he's like, dude, the fuck I'm like, no, I swear I was young. I was still, I was still a horny child. Sorry. <laughs> but if I ever had a kid and he committed a, a heinous crime like that, I, I don't know where he would learn it from. I can't blame media. Like every Facebook mom. I would say like maybe something I something I did, even though I'm I, I'm not. That, oh, I, yeah, I no, I would totally like still be blaming myself and stuff, yeah. too. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, whatever, blah, 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 because obviously like it stems from a lot of psychological insufficiencies and like, you know, maybe they're a sociopath and maybe you could have realized that because of this, you know, whatever. But at the but same like you time, said, like, like how like I'm you not going to protect somebody that is doing something that's against everything that I stand for. So like, of course I'm going to visit my son, but my son's going to be in prison for the, like I will die and he will not be let out at my funeral. You know, mm. I think I just saw the, <laughs> never mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I... Like, I think you said something that kind of like, I, I, you did say something about how you wouldn't have known. And you said, but like mm -hmm. you could stop it, but then how would you know that this kid's a sociopath? There aren't really that. I mean, there are telling signs, but then you just think your, your son or daughter or whatever is going through like maybe yeah. a phase, like, like yeah. phases. I mean, we all have, we <laughs> deny a lot phase. of things and we try to make things logical and our mm. brain works so hard to do that. That's why, like, um, I don't remember what it's called, but like uh, people see faces and stuff. You know, we look at the clouds and we're like, oh, this one looks like a mushroom. And it's like because our brains are trained to do that. And so we're going to train our brain to be like, oh, no, our child is good. And even if they like act up in school, sometimes they would never do this. And then, you know, that extreme actually happens. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Minato's parents are a completely different ballpark. Oh, for yeah, sure. They're a different yeah. ballpark. Aruga. Uh, Aruga. Agura, I know his name is Agura, but I like saying Aruga. It's funny, but um, uh, his parent, his parents. Well, the dad, the dad was trying to be a commendable yeah. human being and be yeah. like, "I'm gonna give you as much money as I possibly mm -hmm. can because 
I fucked up with my kid and my kid is the fuck up that I I should have swallowed. Vandalized the, wait, the dad should have swallowed the kid. You know, I don't judge. Uh, I don't judge anybody. You do whatever you do in the bedroom. (laughs) I don't know what you do in the bedroom. You've seen probably some worse shit. So how are you? How dare you judge? (laughs) Earlier before our, before our, uh, before we we started talking, we were talking about prolapsed anuses. I don't know why it just came up in conversation, but we were laughing our asses off about them. Not because they're <laughs> cool, but because that's gross. Anyways, continue on what you're saying. <laughs> I, you, you know, I don't remember what I was saying. No problem. Is there anything that else ha- that I would like to talk about? Yeah. Um. Sorry, I just cut you off because I was like, oh, wait, I remember now I was talking about all the guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's um, OK. Yeah. So um, did anything happen during her funeral? I, I we because we, we talked about her. Yeah. Tombstone, but- oh, yeah. We can talk about her funeral. Um, that's it's actually very. um, It's very symbolic. It's probably <laughs> like the most symbolic kind of funeral I've read about um just because like so it was on april 2nd 1989 and if you remember she was kidnapped november 25th 1988 mm-hmm. so it has been uh like seven months is it november december January? five months i don't know i can't do numbers we know that that's not me (laughs) i'm not in numbers but um so it was held on april 2nd and she was buried with um her high school diploma or cap and gown yeah and she was also buried with the uniform that her future employer um had given her uh because if you remember we had talked about how she had this job after school and she was also working towards like getting a job after high school and so her future employer um gave her her uniform oh that's hard that that's heartbreaking yeah and then um i have one of her friends memorial addresses that um she said during the funeral Okay. And I want to quote it. Um, so it says, Jun Chan, welcome back. I have never imagined that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain, so much suffering. The happy we all made for the school looked really good on you. Happy is a uh, coat. It's like a, it's a special type of Japanese traditional coat. Um, and it's H A P P I. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just wanted to. <laughs> I, I love it. I love. I love the the, the, inf- the little factoid yeah. in the middle of the quote. Okay, back to the quote. Open parentheses or close parentheses. Open quotations. We will never forget you. I have heard that the principal has presented you with a graduation certificate. So we graduated together, all of us. Jun Chan, there is no more pain, no more suffering. Please rest in peace. And so um, the day after, so April 3rd was actually what had been her first day of work 
at this new. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's so symbolic is that they, you know, the day of the funeral was right before, you know, and the graduation cap and, um, you know, all of that. I would have, I would have been in tears. I would have been in absolute pain. Not obviously not as much pain as Junko, but I would have felt that would have been like the best funeral. Uh, wait, that's wrong. That came out really <laughs> wrong. That came out really, really wrong. Sorry. It would have been like the the hardest funeral to go to. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's really, it's really hard, especially in high school and high school age when you realize um that like if if you lose somebody, you know, a kid dies in high school it's really hard to graduate without them mm-hmm. and kind of like, I don't know. I'm sure that they felt that loss, um, especially harshly because it was so unnatural and horrible and everybody kind of knew that she, it was not a quick death and it was not an easy death and she was fighting for months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the mood of this episode needed to be brought down because of <laughs> the realness of this, this, yeah. uh, this case. Uh, it is really heavy and it does wear on you when you think about it too much. So obviously like take breaks, like chill out while you're watching this or watching listening. Why did I, I don't even have my camera like <laughs> in the same room. Why would I? <laughs> but like, yeah, if you're listening to this, like you can take breaks from. Yeah. Because it's a lot of strategy. Tragedy. Tragedy. Strategy. Strategy. Tragedy. Tragedy. Strategy. You got it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, it, smoke. Yeah. If you need to, like. If you smoke cigarettes, go take a cigarette break. If you need a shot, take a shot. Just, you know, in honor of Junko, smoke some mm-hmm. weed. I honestly say like, this is the one time I'm like, I'm not saying smoke some weed for like having fun. It's something just like, if you heard me earlier in the episode, I was a stuttering mess because I didn't sleep the night before. I, the, the, the case really did get to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'm stuttering now. It, uh, it did take a lot to like do this. I, I I'm grateful that Violet was the one to do this with me. And she was the only one again, that was willing to out of all of my friends that was willing to actually do this. I was with the me. sloppy seconds, if you will. No, no, he didn't no, want me to come no, back. No, no, no. I invited again. every, no, I, of course he I said, wanted you to be. He said, Violet, I hate you. I never want you on my podcast ever again. And then he sent me like poop in the mail or something. I don't know. It smelled really bad, but I knew it was from him and I just threw it away. And then back um, up. How did you know it was my poop? Do you no, know what I didn't my know it was like? your poop. You just said, I, said you did. I just said poop, but it was from you. Like the package oh, was from you. Yeah, but of the, course. But the package package m- might have been. I put rainbow sprinkles on it. Somebody else's. Oh, you were festive. I was joking. See? See? Oh, it is the Pride Month of Pride. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Is it Pride Month? Wait, or is it is Pride Month June? Shit. I what what day is today? It's okay. 
God damn it. <laughs> when will we release this? We don't know. Yeah. How long has this been going on? A bit, a bit, for sure, a bit. I think a month, but you know, it's that's fine. That's completely yeah, we're in our we think about these things for months at, at the time at a time. Is there is there anything that you know about Okay. I'm going to break character for a second. I didn't know the logistics of what happened during the case. I only knew about this stuff because of the media that came out of it. Violet, do you know anything that about the media that came out of this story? I know that there was a film in 2004 titled concrete. Um, and then there was another one that was called Schoolgirl Encased in Cement. And then there was another one that was a um, manga, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that one was super gory and terrifying. And Concrete is the only one that like you can really find. Yeah. Um, and I think which one was more of the expose? Was that the Schoolgirl? So kind of, like, there was there is an exploitation film that's just yeah. like it. It doesn't hold back. It just gets into it gets it wants to make you see the torture. It wants you to like see everything that these kids did. And that film is it's I think it is banned. So that's why I'm having a, such a hard time finding it. But um, it it was the, out of all of it, it was the hardest one to find. Mm -hmm. I found little bits of clips on about concrete. And um. Yeah, it. I, 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 at first, I, I can't, again, I didn't know this was, I didn't know this was a thing. I just knew about the media and I knew there was a story about it. But when I looked into it, then I found out, no, this was actually based on a true story. And I'm like, okay, maybe instead of being like, ooh, it's so cool, it's banned. I want to see it. Ooh, I want to be all, oh, I want to be bad. I want to be a rebel. <laughs> I actually decided, like, okay, maybe I should really take this, take this thing seriously. And when I looked into it, I'm like, oh my God this is actually really fucking horrible. I didn't yeah. think anybody would stoop down to this level. I, I apologize to Junko. I didn't know that your story was a true story. Thank you to Schoolgirl and cement, which is what I wanted to see originally for guiding me to that, that direction. I guess. Mm -hmm. And to this particular case. Yes. Yes. Thank so you. We could get it out in the world more. I don't recommend looking up the guru. Guru yeah. is a is a type of hentai that's specifically aimed for people who like gore. And not just like, oh, I like like, you know, like like knife play or blood play. No, I like guru is like I like to cut women's legs off. Yeah. And then watch where, them bleed out. Like Ahigao came from. So that style of like sorry, what? Ahigao. The girls what? with like their tongues out and well, I, I I know. What do you mean that it came from Guru? That's what I, um, so it's actually like, so the, um, the facial expressions came from this, um, particular artist who did Guru instead of, um, and so then it like, so originally those like facial expressions were for like women getting murdered. Oh, oh shit. Really? Yeah. So 
we can you know what you'll have to have me back yeah uh, <laughs> no, we can I, talk honestly it's it's pretty interesting because i didn't know about it and like um it's it does have like a it does apply to my life too as a content creator like uh that's something that a lot of women will do is they'll make these like specific faces and then if you trace those faces back um far enough you'll find out that it's yeah yeah it's it's drawings of murder and like rape and stuff um and like that's their facial expression because they um the artist wanted men to still be able to like enjoy it sexually i guess uh because it is hentai um and hentai is a sexual form of like pornography yeah it's a it's like the drawing form i would <laughs> i would say um so it's not real but somebody did like draw this so they drew these pictures of these women like getting abused and stuff but they made the faces look like they were having orgasms time. yeah um so How many yeah girls on tiktok and like reddit are yeah, doing that that's like- what i'm saying yeah it, it's like I didn't know about it. And I like, I have a bunch of stuff that has like, you know, those faces on it. Cause I thought it was funny. And now I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> spaghetti Leo. Like shouldn't, shouldn't support that. But, and a lot of girls are like all about yeah. like the women power thing. And if they found mm-hmm. out about that, I'm pretty sure that would like completely take away from the Ahigal thing. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I hope that that gets, you know, uh, done with soon anyways, because it, it really freaks me out. It is hot. But now that you told me uh, this, my my boner went down. Mm. <laughs> oh, it didn't go down from anything else that we said in the episode. I was I'm in. I took a Viagra. What do you want from yeah. me? <laughs> no, I did not take a Viagra before this show. But OK, well, fun facts, fun facts all around. Should I change my name to Yes. <laughs> yes. Editor, don't put this in. <laughs> Editor. Paul, leave all this in. <laughs> leave all of Paul, it. Paul, if you know what's best for you. <laughs> Paul, I will literally crush your balls like they're peeled grapes. <laughs> well, I think that's all. <laughs> Not really as a threat, but mostly because I just really want to know what it feels like if you just fucking go, if you just squish them really hard. But I can't do that. It's not legal. So now that's why I got to become the Joker. This is my Joker origin story. (laughs) Wants to squeeze balls. (laughs) Hi, Hans. (laughs) Hi. You want to come here? You want to come over here real fast? Oh, God. Ask him if he wants. Ask him if he's into ball, cock and ball torture. Do you like um? Do you like cock and ball torture? <laughs> I'm threatening his editor that I'm gonna squish his balls like a, a um, like a peeled grape if he leaves in the part where I just said should I change my name to You know, I really can't tell you if I like those things. Can I try? <laughs> Hans, do you, Hans, do you like when someone punches Wait. you as hard as they can in the balls? Danny asked, do you like when somebody punches you in the balls as hard as I can? You know what? I got to go with no. All right. And uh, there, there's your answer. Vi- Viagra Violet. <laughs> if he doesn't like oh, it, then I'm pretty sure water? guys. 
Hans brought me a drink, but it's just water. Oh, <laughs> how sweet of him. Well, I I'm going to let the lovebirds get back to it because I'm pretty sure he wants his girl back. I he misses went, me. Yeah. He, it's he just a, sits and stares at me. It's really creepy. Like a dog? Yeah. He just like, he's just been sitting in the corner this whole, not really, not really. He's I was going to say like, thing. oh, Hans, he's you been can doing come in. yard work or probably like looking at the house. Yeah. The just, structure, the structure, just, the structure of the house, the Beautiful. structural integrity of the house, <laughs> just making sure all the studs are still where he know that knows that they are. Uh, I think that's all the time we have. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank Violet once again for joining this episode. Uh, Violet, you've been the absolute treat. I thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you, editor, for for, you know, doing what needs to be done or else, you know, what will be done to you. Um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, is there anything you'd like to <laughs> is there anything you like? <laughs> is there anything you'd like to plug for for you? Yeah, I'd like or to anybody? plug your editor <laughs> hey, Paul. For, for taking out the stuff. No, Paul, you leave can keep all this, this in. part in. No, you can leave this part in, but you take out what I told you to take out. Or else. You know what will happen. The world doesn't have to know, but you'll know. You'll Paul, know. I fear for your life. Please, please keep it all in. It'll be funny. It'll be worth it. I promise. Anyways, my name is Denny de los Monstros. I'm going to go eat some fruit. Eat the fruit. Eat all the fruit you want. Grapes, specifically. Maybe I'll peel them. Maybe you'll step on them. Hans is apologizing for me. Hans, come here and say, say you're sorry. No. Okay. He's in his underwear. Uh, twin, <laughs> 20? Oh my God, 20? Happy Pride Month, everybody. Uh, Happy Pride Month. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the episode. My name is Danny Los Monstros. If there's any, any story that you want me to cover mostly any story that you want me to cover. I would really appreciate it if you emailed me at dazedandisturbedpodcast at gmail.com. We have our Twitter. It's dazed and disturbed one because Twitter can't fit all of our, the entire name. I still need to figure out a way to fit my name without being D&D. That'd be cool to be D&D, but I'm pretty sure Dungeons and Dragons would sue me. On Instagram, we are dazedandisturbedpodcast. That's it. Um... Follow us there. I'd love to see if you guys have anything else to tell me from any type of anywhere. Just message me anywhere. Send me hate mail. Thank God you're sending me hate mail. And thank you for the people who've actually been listening. This show has actually gotten to thousand ish plus listeners. So I That's really appreciate amazing. it. Yeah. Wow. I'm, oh, I'm, gosh. What? That's so many people. I know. And they're going to listen to you talk about cock and ball torture to my editor. No. Yeah. But then your editor is going to have to take this part out, too. Okay. Oh, right. Hey, editor, um, don't take any of it out. Leave it all in. It's going to be it's it's worth it. The cock and ball torture. I will feel for you. I will take care of you, but I will not want you to take this thing out. Uh, is there anything else I need to plug in? Oh, we have our discord at Days Disturbed podcast. Sometimes uh, I go on there and I'm just mean to everyone. Sometimes she does. Sometimes she doesn't. Violet's there. Violet. I don't know if you want to plug in like a lurk. Oh yeah. yeah. My Instagram is Vi Angel Center. Uh, my <laughs> Twitter <laughs> is law disputable with one underscore at the end. And then um, 
I don't know. That that's it. That's all. You can that's- find other things off of my link tree which is in the bio of both of those websites. So good luck. Um, It'll be worth it. I promise you're going to like what you see. I think (laughs) unless you're not into like whatever that, that, that violent girl is over there. That's talking to me. Uh, Yeah. Then you might not like what you see, but anyways, blow the, blow the audience a kiss, please blow them one more kiss. And one more. That was was a really close one. Oh, okay. There, There we go. There we go. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I love you. Bye-bye. I'm good to go eat. Is it weird that I'm hungry after talking about, like, starvation? Yeah, it is a little fucked up, isn't it? I'm hungry, too. Let's go get something to eat. Yeah. All right. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Silver Tongue Audio.